brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You're listening to the Mind Over Murder podcast. My name is Bill Thomas. I'm a writer, consulting producer, and now podcaster. I am now trying to use my experience as the brother of a murder victim to help other victims of violent crime. I'm working on a book on the unsolved Colonial Parkway murders, and I'm the co-administrator of the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook group, together with Kristen Dilley. My name is Kristen Dilley. I'm a writer, a researcher, a teacher, and a victim's advocate, as well as the social media manager and co-administrator for the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook page with my partner in crime, Bill Thomas. Welcome to Mind Over Murder. I'm Kristen Dilley. And I'm Bill Thomas. And we are finishing our coverage this week of the Brianna Maitland case by finishing our conversation with Chloe Cantor of the True Crime Twins podcast and Crawl Space. We look forward to this conversation with her, and we may return to the Brianna Maitland case as more news develops. We hope you've enjoyed our coverage of this case, and we hope that we're helping in some small way to move that investigation forward. We got some great news this afternoon as we record this podcast. The Delta Dawn case is a well-known case in Mississippi. It's a very, very profoundly sad case from 1982. A truck driver driving along I-10 near Moss Point, Mississippi, spotted what he believed was a woman's body in the river. Let me see if I can get this pronunciation right. The es- oh, good luck. <laughs> Escatapua River, he believed he saw a woman's body wearing a plaid shirt in the water. He notified law enforcement. They began a search. They were unsuccessful in finding the woman's body, but sadly, they found a young girl's body. She was approximately a year and a half or two years old, and she was found along the river, and they never found the mother. The case ultimately became known as the Delta Dawn case because the little girl, of course, didn't have a name. And it's remained a mystery for all of these years since 1982. Recently, a woman named Catherine Serbusek 
who's an audiobook editor and a mother of two young children herself, decided that she wanted to do something for her 40th birthday. And rather than spend money on a fancy party, Catherine Sibusek decided to fund DNA testing to be done in the Delta Dawn case. So she contacted the Jackson County Mississippi Sheriff's Department and offered to pay for DNA testing if it would lead to an identification of this little girl. Jackson County contacted Othram Labs, sponsor of this podcast, and they have had a significant success. They've been able to identify the little girl and they've also been able to identify her mother. They still believe that the mother died likely at the same time as the little girl. But this is another case where a nearly, what, 40-year-old case has been broken through the use of forensic genealogy and advanced full genome sequencing by Othram Labs and the Jackson County Sheriff's Department. The FBI was involved. Redgrave Research was involved. And so a fantastic team effort in a very, very sad case. Ultimately, they were able to track down the mother's sister who was able to Mm -hmm. assist in identification and provided her DNA for comparison purposes. They also believe they've identified a perpetrator who has not yet been named, but he is also deceased. So I'm not sure that this case necessarily would ever result in a prosecution or anything like that, but answers have been forthcoming. And apparently the press conference was quite moving today. And people from as far back as 40 years ago who were on the rescue team that searched for the little girl and investigators past and present David Middleman from Othram Labs was there as well. Apparently, it was quite moving and just an amazing effort by everyone concerned. It gives us such hope to see these older cases be solved using forensic genealogy. Absolutely. And so now Delta Dawn has a name. Delta Dawn's real name is Alicia Ann Heinrich, and she was the daughter of Gwendolyn Clemens. Both of them vanished in 1982. Clemens was last seen in Kansas City, Missouri in 1982. And then there are unconfirmed reports that she was in Jackson County, Mississippi. It's so good that she is able to finally have a name and that her family is finally able to learn what really happened to her. So excellent job to our friends at Othram. And our hats off to someone we've never met before, but would really like to thank Catherine Serbusek of New York City, who got this whole thing started. Absolutely fantastic. Coming up next week, we are so looking forward to sharing an interview with one of our favorite people. Her name is Lisa Zambetti. She is the co-host of Real Crime Profile and Killer Casting, as well as the casting director for CBS's hit series, Criminal Minds. Lisa is one of our very favorite people, and we are so happy that she agreed to join us on the pod. It was really a fun conversation. Lisa's a fantastic person and has just great observations and some funny stories. I know we deal with some heavy issues sometimes on Mind Over Murder, but we managed to have a pretty entertaining conversation with Lisa, to put it mildly. We we think you're really going to enjoy it. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. And we are joined again by Chloe Cantor of True Crime Twins to talk to us more about the Brianna Maitland case. Chloe, thank you for joining us again. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So let's go ahead and pick right back up where we left off last episode. Who were some of the people in this case that you think deserve a second look? 
Second look in in what way? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A second look as in they probably know more than what they have been willing to share with investigators. Well, I guess a good place to start is someone that we cannot talk to, which is James Robitelli. The first thing that I thought when he died was, well, that's not great for the investigation because I've always felt that with his changing stories that he had some sort of knowledge and now we'll never know. I'm very sad about his death and the fact that he left several kids behind who now are without a father. And when I read about it, I thought that's really too bad because I feel like he knew more than he ever said publicly. There's just a lot of conflicting statements. And with the last one, which is believed to be true, in which he gets out of the his own vehicle and touches Brianna's car, it, it just it makes you wonder, you know, why is he now saying that he touched the car? We right. never said that before. Right. And he's making a point of saying he touched the car. And the fact that James Robitelli's fingerprints or palm prints might be on this Oldsmobile that was Brianna's car wouldn't have been a big surprise to start with. He was supposedly a friend of hers. They supposedly dated. The fact that he spent time in that car wouldn't have been a big shock. No, not at all. I think if his DNA or fingerprints were found in or around the car, it perfectly accounted for because they spent time together, as as was witnessed numerous times in the weeks leading up to her disappearance. I always thought his emphasis on the fact that he stopped, I'm putting air quotes around that, and supposedly turned off the headlights, closed the doors, I find that whole thing definitely in the eye-rolling category, particularly with the ever-changing story. Well, it sounds like he's trying to cover up the potential of, you know, like we said, something forensically being found or a witness having seen him, you know. Who knows what prompted the change of story? I think about another case, you know, one which we covered on True Crime Twins. Unfortunately, it's never going to be prosecuted again. But the case was the conviction was overturned in the 1975 Connecticut murder of uh, 15-year-old Martha Moxley. The person that ended up being tried Mm -hmm. and convicted, you know, first said that he was out and then he went home and went to bed. But then later on, he's recorded saying that he climbed a tree, which happened to be the tree um, under which the victim was found dead. Right. He said he climbed a tree that night and masturbated in the tree, which I think to most everyone was an obvious um, attempt to account for his presence of sperm or DNA at the crime scene. Uh-huh. And what prompted him making that point was, you know, he was told uh, there's new forensic science coming out. And so that's what led to him saying it. So I do right. wonder what was said to James, you know, whether new tests were being run or, you know, we haven't publicly shared what witnesses have seen. So who knows? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I think that's an important piece of it. Yeah. But speaking for the guys here, you know, who among us hasn't climbed a tree and hung on? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you took that in an entirely different direction. <laughs> boys will be boys. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, you, you, you hang on to the tree. You've still got one hand free. Come on. It totally works. Oh, and and in freezing temperatures. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we have to keep warm, right? Yep. (laughs) Perfectly normal. Yeah. Really? That's what it reminded me of. It it reminded it. it sounded like someone accounting for their presence at a crime scene. Yeah, yeah, presence in more ways than one, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right, and I'm not saying that. Robitelli's story is quite that outrageous, but it sure feels like he's trying to account for, as you said, DNA, 
handprints, palm prints, what have you, that might have shown up on the Oldsmobile that Brianna was driving. Well, I was going to say, just playing devil's advocate for a minute, as somebody who works with teenagers, uh, you know, in that age range, they will say and do most anything to try to get out of trouble if they feel that the trouble is significant enough. So I can I can actually understand somebody changing their story over and over to try to get out of trouble. And it might not be anything more than just, I don't want to get into trouble. <laughs> you know, it, it's and that's just me playing devil's advocate. I, there may be more there that James Ribatelli needs to uh, or needed to have accounted for than just high. I shouldn't have been out that time of night. I'm trying to avoid getting, you know, into trouble. But that that's what first struck my mind is here's a kid who's very clearly just trying to get himself out of trouble. And that's why his story has changed. So who else is on your list of people that you think are worth a second look? We're not implying that they are guilty of murder or anything like that. But who else do you think should have more conversations with the investigators or the Vermont State Police? Well, you know, another name that's mentioned a lot is Mike Stebbins. James, when he changed his story for the last time, that's, you know, we talk about trying to avoid getting in trouble. What he was afraid of getting in trouble for was, you know, smoking crack with Mike Stebbins. Right. So he's an important part of this story, I think, based on that alone. But then he's also incorporated in the vast you know, variations of rumors that are out there, which all end with Brianna's disposal on his property, you know, and he has multiple properties, but that's kind of what we always hear about. So again, we can't put a lot of merit into rumors and speculation, but the fact that his name comes up a lot and the fact that he, you know, did have entanglements with Brianna, I think definitely worth another look. Right. I mean, the versions we hear from Lou Barry and Greg Overacker and other experts do include the possibility that the Stebbins family owned multiple farm properties. And some of the versions of stories we've heard involve, and I say this respectfully, that the Vermont State Police and other agencies may have searched the wrong properties in searching for evidence and possible remains in the Brianna Maitland case. Sure. That's something I've heard from, you know, a number of people that key players, you know, James Robitelli has been mentioned specifically is that they searched the wrong farm. You know, that's third, four party. So who knows if James actually said that, but that's kind of something that's been circulating around the rumor mill was that the wrong area was searched. And actually when I spoke to Keeley, who was Mike Stebbins' girlfriend, she apparently was at the home when the police came to search what she called the shit pit, and they'd actually asked for her permission to do so, which made no sense because she wasn't the property owner, but she gave them permission. And according to her, they found nothing, but she did add that the Stebbins have you know acres and acres and acres of properties. You're referencing an interview that you conducted with Keely LaCrosse, who yes. was Mike Stebbins' girlfriend. And as we understand it, there may be a love triangle or maybe it's a rectangle. In, in <laughs> rectangle. <laughs> it gets a little complicated. <laughs> it certainly involves a uh, romantic encounter between Mike Stebbins and Brianna Maitland when Mike Stebbins is supposed to be in some sort of dating relationship with Kaylee LaCrosse. According to Kaylee, the two were in a committed relationship for two years. And Mike Stebbins place that was where all of the girls in that friend group hung out like after school they would just drink party you know smoke weed and they always went in brianna's car 
because Brianna was the only, like, the only one that drove and had a car, and she always drove Keely back to her aunt and uncle's house. Right. So that was kind of the dynamic. They were all close. Keely went to go visit her mother in Massachusetts and found out when she came back, I believe, from Hillary, who's James's sister, and Sydney, who was a girl in that friend group, had told Keely, like, right when they picked her up, that Brianna had spent the weekend with Mike. So Keely goes home and confronts Mike about it, and he admits it and doesn't spare details. Keely then sees Brianna spending time with James Robitaille, which makes her even more furious. Or James Robitaille, James Robitelli. Right. Makes her even more furious because she also had a past flame, I guess, with James. When you say she had a past flame, this is Keely having a, a past relationship? They had both dated James at one point. In the weeks leading up to Brianna's disappearance, she had been spending more time with him, and Keely had even seen them in um, the car together and had kind of like started yelling at them, cussing them out. Right. In your interview with Keely LaCrosse, she does confirm all of this. Am I correct? Yes. She, I mean, th- this, this information came from her. It's been very uh, vague otherwise. You know, in the Disappeared episode, they don't know exactly, they don't say exactly what happened. You know, they describe Keely as a, an acquaintance, but they were actually pretty good friends. And they said that the conversation was for unknown reasons, but they speculated it was based on Brianna maybe was flirting with her boyfriend, but that wasn't the case, that she, she, she had actually spent the weekend with him. Right. So it's probably worth noting at this point that Keely LaCrosse assaulted Brianna Maitland a few weeks before Brianna went missing. And there are very striking photographs of Brianna Maitland with two black eyes, a broken nose, a cut on her nose. And despite the claim that Keely LaCrosse supposedly only punched Brianna twice through a car or truck window, which is obviously open, I have to say, Brianna Maitland looks like she's gone 10 rounds with Mike Tyson. She looks like she's had the crap kicked out of her. Those were either two of the luckiest punches in the history of female boxing, or there was more to it than one or two punches. And that could be true. And obviously, Keely would have every reason to downplay the severity of the assault at this point. You know, she, she never really saw consequences for it besides, you know, her reputation, which is no picnic, which we did talk about. You know, it is upsetting to see what comes up when you Google her. But she didn't face actual legal consequences for assaulting Brianna. So at this point, you know, why would she emphasize the severity of the attack if it was more severe? You know, make herself look bad or potentially make other people look bad. She what she said to me was, I only punched her twice and it was just me. You know, she said they said that there was a crew of women. They said that I annihilated her. That's not true. I punched her twice. She was sitting in the car. She didn't say anything. She just kept her head down and was crying. And then I said, you're not worth it. That's what she says happened. But, you know, we hear other stories and we have information from other people that say that's not how it happened. Well, based on the other information and the photographs, I'm not buying it in the least. Brianna Maitland had the crap kicked out of her and it she looked like it. And am I correct that Brianna Maitland did file assault charges against Keely LaCrosse? Yes, she did. But those charges were later dropped after she went missing. How convenient. In other words, yeah, Kaylee LaCrosse never faced any legal consequences for beating the crap out of Brianna Maitland a few weeks before she went missing. Conveniently, when she went missing, those charges were dropped because Brianna Maitland was nowhere to be found. Right. And 
according to Shauna LaBelle, who was a friend of Brianna's, all of the friends were gathered to testify before a grand jury. And she had encountered Keely and she had mentioned the charges and Keely had made some sort of comment along the lines of, oh, well, Brianna's not here anymore, so nothing's going to happen. And when I talked to Keely about it, she actually volunteered the information. Yeah, I did say that. I was mean. I didn't think it was real, was her explanation for kind of the callous comment that she had made. I can't help but wonder if Keely LaCrosse, after the assault charges were filed, decided that she was going to have to really settle the score with Brianna Maitland for sleeping with her boyfriend, Mike Stebbins, and maybe the potential overlap of an earlier dating relationship with James Robitelli. I think it's awfully convenient. I mean, who comes out of this thing better than she was before but Keely LaCrosse? Maybe Keely's actually revealing more than she ought to be when she says a group of us assaulted Brianna Maitland. Maybe that did happen, but we're talking about a second go-round after the beating that she gave Brianna Maitland a few weeks before she disappeared. It's just a theory. She comes up a lot because out of everyone that we talk about, she's really the only one that had a motive when you think about it. Brianna did something very hurtful to her, wrecked her home and then filed charges against her, which is compromising to your future and costs you money and time and whatever. So that's kind of why people circle back to her a lot. Plus, you know, the, the history of violence and, you know, people thinking, okay, well, if she was willing to do that, what else was she willing to do? On the disappeared episode, it said that she was cleared by law enforcement. And, you know, Bill, we've had the conversation, how can anyone be cleared until we know what happened, which, I mean, in, unless a lot is being hidden from the public, we really don't know what happened. Right. We can't really say that anyone's been cleared. I did ask Keely if she had an alibi, and she said no. She said there was no alibi. She didn't know exactly what led to her being, quote, cleared, if that's even the case. But she did say that she was always very cooperative with the police. And she'd even said that she had caught federal charges at one point and was offered a, a plea agreement if she had if she would share what she may know. And she uh, said, you know, I don't know anything, so... She caught federal charges for drug trafficking. Am I correct? I believe that's correct. You're listening to Mind Over Murder. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. One of the most frequent questions we're asked here at Mind Over Murder is, how can I help? Thanks to Othram, a leading forensic DNA testing lab for law enforcement, you can get involved and help solve real cases. If you have tested at a consumer genetics company, you can contribute your data to dnasolves.com. The process is easy and confidential. Just two simple steps. Your DNA might be the missing piece that helps solve the identity of an unknown person. Then Mind Over Murder will highlight cases Othram is working on to seek your crowdfunding support for DNA testing to help solve these cold cases. Upload your DNA profile to dnasolves.com. It's easy, free, and confidential. Then join Mind Over Murder as we help families find answers with Othram and dnasolves.com. Do you like our show, Mind Over Murder, and want to create your own podcast? Well then, let us tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. And who doesn't love free, right? I like free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. 
You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like the sound of that. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Right here, Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your own podcast. You can tell them Kristen and Bill from Mind Over Murder sent you. We're back here at Mind Over Murder. By the way, I don't want to let this cleared conversation pass without emphasizing mm-hmm. this. And I'm seeing this on, on the Brianna Maitland social media pages again as we speak. And I say this is the brother of a murder victim who's been working with the FBI for 34 years on solving his sister's murder. Let me be perfectly clear here. There is no such thing as anyone being cleared in a murder investigation until the murder investigation is cleared. So you don't get to say, and I don't care who you are, and I don't think the Vermont State Police would be this stupid either. No one is cleared until the murder is cleared. And we asked the private investigators, Lou Barry and Greg Overacker, about this. And Lou Barry, a former police chief, said, that is correct. You are never cleared because law enforcement would never say Keely LaCrosse or anyone else has been cleared because what if they are involved in a conspiracy, which could be likely in this example, that people who have not been named may be involved somehow in whatever happened to Brianna. So no one is cleared. You're either on the likely list or the less likely list. Let me give you an example. There are 150 persons of interest in the Colonial Parkway murders, my sister's case. Now, there's probably 10 or 15 names on the likely suspects list, most of whom I can name. And then there's uh, probably 135 or more names that have come up at different times that are on the less likely list. But no one's been cleared. And let me tell you something. No one's been cleared in the Brianna Maitland case either. If your name is on a list put together by the private investigations for the missing team or the Vermont State Police or any other agency that's investigated this case, no one has been cleared. So this is ludicrous that people keep claiming that people like James Robitelli have been cleared and Robitelli is a bit of a non-issue now that he's passed away. None of these people have been cleared. Well, and while I completely agree with you, I do think that those words were used by state police. I didn't hear it directly from them, but I just from talking to the private investigators, talking to Bruce, I believe the words cleared have been used to describe Keeley and James by Uh, the state police, according to the people that I've talked to. As someone that knows a fair amount about this, I think the use of those terms was inartful and inaccurate. And in our recent interviews with Lou Barry and Greg Overacker, they both emphasized that no one has been cleared. I know Vermont State Police have said at different times, so-and-so is not a suspect at this time. That's not the same as being cleared. That's being moved on to the less likely list, but still not cleared. So I will continue to push back. No one has been cleared in this case that's ever been mentioned as a suspect until this case is solved. 
Absolutely. And when people kind of get attached to the idea that someone's cleared it, 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 it does create a bias in kind of how you think you're automatically ruling them out and maybe you shouldn't be. So, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Are there other people that you think are worth a second look? Hmm. Well, just other names that maybe shouldn't be said out loud that come up in the rumor mill as either being involved Mm -hmm. in the initial interaction with Brianna, which led to her death or in the subsequent cover up. You know, there's, there's another older adult, you know, not, not, not an older adult just compared to Brianna and her friends who has been implicated a lot in the cover up. I think that's definitely worth another look. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, closely intertwined with that circle. If I'm not mistaken, this guy's about a decade older than most of the other people who are in the 17, 18 year old time frame at the time of the disappearance. Correct. And he's heavily involved in crack. And that scene was involved with some of the girls, you know, sexually, you know, they did drugs together and he apparently had confessed to some sort of involvement um, to people close to him who now deny that it ever happened. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I've had some conversations on on and offline. Kristen and I have spoken to the private investigators about this. This is something I'm very struck by, and we'll leave names out of this, but who gets drunk and confesses to involvement in a disappearance and potentially a murder on more than one occasion? And there's actually several people who seem to be hanging around a bar. These are, are men now that in the 16 years since Brianna has gone missing seem to be drunkenly confessing to involvement in either Brianna's disappearance, brutal murder, or the disposal of her body after the fact. I find this really bizarre. You know, somebody might say something once, let's say, you know, looking for street cred or whatever, but to say it repeatedly when intoxicated and while crying, it's, it's hard to ignore. It really is. So I think there may be people that are perhaps implicated in, sadly, in the disposal of a murder victim's remains after the fact. I find this really bizarre and actually very compelling. I mean, as I said to Greg Overacker yesterday, who confesses drunkenly 
over and over again to involvement in a case like this. Unless, like, unless you didn't actually do it. Like, it seems nonsensical to do so if you're just making it up. Yeah, it, it seems absurd to me. There are a couple of other suspects we wanted to ask you about whose names have been publicly discussed. Are two imported exotic drug dealers slash uh, sex traffickers, Ramon Ryans, who goes by Street, and Nathaniel Jackson, who I understand is his cousin, who goes by Low, sometimes spelled L-O and sometimes spelled L-O-W. Do you feel like these two ne'er-do-wells are worth another look as well? It's When you're looking at the angle of Brianna having potentially been trafficked, that kind of becomes a more compelling road to take because of their alleged association with human trafficking. I talked to a couple of women in the area who themselves were in very uncomfortable positions with specifically uh, Jackson, a.k.a. Lowe, where it had become apparent to them that he was trying to traffic them. He was promising them drugs and fancy hotel rooms and trying to get them to either Burlington, Vermont, or New York City. Is that correct? Yes. And in one case, it was it, it was obvious. Like she, she had been lured there, like w- was in the city, and it was very obvious what he was trying to do and she refused to participate and he just ditched her. So she's abandoned then in New York City by Nathaniel Jackson. Both of these guys are actually originally from New York. Yes, in uh, Jamaica, Queens. What's your take on this idea that the private investigators have spoken to us about that somehow Ramon Ryans and Nathaniel Jackson were treated like somehow being exotic and cool? I mean, we're in a kind of very white bread area of an extremely white bread state. We're up in northern Vermont. There aren't even that many African Americans to start with, never mind two guys that are back and forth between Queens and Burlington, Vermont, and Montgomery, Vermont. What's your take on the way they may have been treated by this group of kids who were also drug users? Well, like you said, people who were black were not common in the Northeast Kingdom, let alone people from New York City. So I think they had a certain worldliness in their perspective. Obviously, I, don't, I would not consider those two worldly individuals. But to them, they were considered interesting and exotic. And, you know, they had all this money to spend because of their illegal affiliations but didn't work, you know, so it's like a teenager's dream. These guys were awesome. They just partied and they didn't have to work. And of course, we're supplying them with drugs with the intention of getting them addicted so that they would keep buying them. And, you know, now they're the supplier. Is there a possibility that Brianna Maitland may have gotten caught up in this? Well, when you look at it from a victimology standpoint, she meets pretty much all of the risk factors that one has when they are dealing with a human trafficking victimization. You know, she wasn't living at home, dropped out of high school. She was in that right age group. There's, you know, varying reports about what level of engagement she had in the drug community. She was very vulnerable, you know, some nights sleeping out of her car. So when you look at it from that, I think she was also described as very naive and always trying to see the best in people. I think because of all of those circumstances, an invitation to go to Burlington or to New York or somewhere else probably would have been very appealing. She would have been more susceptible to something like that. There are a lot of rumors of some sort of drug debt, you know, that she owed them money. And that could have been another motivation. You know, they knew that she didn't have the money to pay them. So they decided, okay, we'll, we'll get what's, um, we'll get what we're owed 
through trafficking her. I just don't know if they were going to traffic her. I just can't see them stalking the Black Lantern in parking lot and planning an ambush at the Dutchburn place. That, that's just it just seems a little bit far fetched to me based on the crime scene and how everything was for it to have been like a premeditated plot to traffic her. I feel like they could have just invited her to go to New York unless she was already afraid of them. It's just kind of a strange w- way to do it. Well, and we're kind of baffled because she, if she owed money to Ryan's and Jackson, why kill her as opposed to, you know, insisting mm-hmm. that she pay them off? Well, if she doesn't have the money, then I could see them trying to come up with another way. You know, in this theory, if, they're involved. I don't know if their intention was to kill her because of a debt. It could have been to traffic her because of a debt. And then uh, she died as a result of their handling of her. But what's your take on two uncashed paychecks sitting on the front seat of her Oldsmobile? It was a rapidly um, executed abduction. You know, clearly everything happened in a very rushed way since it was left in the manner that it was, like according to the eyewitnesses that saw the doors open and the headlights on. I don't think a lot of care and attention was put into leaving the crime scene in an inconspicuous way or examining the crime scene for any valuables. The goal was getting Brianna out of there, which they did. They didn't care about anything else. And I think that's apparent from how it was left. Plus, could they really even get the money if if they cashed her check? Like, she would have to cash it, right? Uh, Yes. Although what I was thinking was if there was a drug debt, I mean, I'd certainly be trying to get together all the cash that I could to square up if I owed somebody money. So I'm not saying the paychecks were for large amounts, but it's like literally leaving money sitting on the front seat of, of your Oldsmobile. It just seems odd. I think maybe she intended to cash them and either whoever abducted her didn't see them or didn't think that they were significant. And Kristen, you, I'm sorry, you were going to ask a question. No, it's okay. What other persons of interest from your point of view, would you like to interview with regard to their possible involvement in the Brianna Maitland case? Like who would be a great get for you for your blog? Hmm. Honestly, Ryan's or Jackson would be an excellent get because they haven't talked since 2004 they were arrested in a case unrelated to Brianna you know it resulted from the search of their home where they found you know guns and drugs and they were arrested for that ever since then they haven't really been cooperative as far as I understand they haven't been interviewed by the media I know that Ryan's was polygraphed back in 2004 and I think the results were apparently inconclusive but an official said that it helped clarify things so I I have no idea exactly what was discussed but the point is is they haven't really been interviewed in a long time and while they're not my top choices for suspects I think that the theory is compelling enough to that I would have a ton of questions. Ryan's was associated with the disappearance of another woman who was found murdered Yes, uh, just and it wasn't too long after either. He'd left the Montgomery area and moved to Burlington, moved in with his girlfriend, Ligia Collins. And she was also you know, involved in the crack scene and helped him with his trafficking. He actually reported her missing and a woman named Ellen Ducharme ended up being convicted for murdering uh, his girlfriend, Ligia Collins. All of this uh, happens with Ligia Collins' disappearance and her remains being found. This is all in that same 2000 summer, 2004 timeframe. June or July. But no one ever 
suspected Ryan's of being directly involved in Legia Collins' murder. If they did, it didn't pan out. He's the one that reported her missing, but he was never, you know, named a suspect or, or arrested for it. As I understand it, Nathaniel Jackson was busted for, I think, cocaine trafficking in the Carolinas at some point later. Yes, and he served time for that, as far as I understand. It sounds like we should have old home week with Ramon Ryans and Nathaniel Jackson. <laughs> it might be smarter for us to do a remote interview. <laughs> but you were saying to Kristen, as in terms of an interview get, Ryans and, and Jackson would be on your short list. Absolutely. Is there anybody else that you'd want to talk to? Let's expand it a little bit. Living or dead that you'd like to talk to about Brianna Maitland's disappearance? I mean, dead James Earl Batelli. I, I think I, I felt that he held a lot of important information and plenty of people disagree with me on that. But I, I, I think he would have been a really good get this. The other person that's implicated that we didn't name that we discussed, Mike Stebbins. There's some of Brianna's friends that I um, that haven't responded to me or haven't really spoken to me meaningfully that I think would be good to talk to. But most of them have been pretty cooperative. I'd also like to talk to you know Keely some more. I, I kind of got that one shot, but haven't really been able to to lock down a longer conversation since, even though she had talked about wanting to do a podcast. Hmm. It's funny because we were very struck by your very informative interview with Keely, mm -hmm. and you seem to be one of the very few people that's actually been able to talk with her on, on any kind of in-depth way. That's kind of what it looks like, and, and that's why I really wanted to, that was like, a, like you know, we're talking about gets. Like, I, I felt that was a really important story to get a better understanding of, and I felt that my interview with her, you know, assuming that what she's saying, you know, is accurate and true, I, I feel that it corrected a lot of, you know, myths or, or misconceptions and it, and it brought in a lot more to think about and just brought more insight into the situation. And I do, and I do feel that she, that she talked to me a lot and, and was forthcoming and wasn't really filtering herself. You, you, you can sort of tell when someone's being really careful with what they're about to say. Right. Um, I didn't really get the sense that she was like she, she was kind of talking fast and didn't, didn't seem uh, inhibited. Well, and some of the interview was pretty unflattering. It wasn't like she was mm -hmm. trying to present herself as a all American girl. Not at all. And when you talk to other people that were friends with Brianna, I felt the need to ask questions like, oh, so, you know, what were some of your, you know, favorite memories of her? Or, you know, tell me what you liked most about her. Tell me about her. I didn't even bother going into the touchy feely stuff with Keely because that's just not what she gives off at all. She, she's, she's definitely like a tough girl. Doesn't beat around the bush, brutally straightforward, not a touchy feely type. So you'd like to have her on your podcast is what you're saying. Oh, I would love it. And, I, and I've told her that she knows it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does your sister and co-host feel about this? Oh, she would love it too. And you could hit the, you could hit her from two directions. You've got, yeah, I don't, I don't know if other people would like it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> being interviewed by twins, you probably just feel like you're being ganged up on. <laughs> but Keely can handle herself, I think. These interviews that you were conducting with Keely, was this face to face or a phoner or how did you do this? It was like a phone call in the middle of the night. <laughs> it was not, not face to face. I, I, I had been trying to get her on the phone for a long time and she was just always busy you know, being a mom and working and going to school and stuff. So it, was, it was just really hard to lock her down. So I eventually got her, like, I think after midnight one night, and we were just on the phone for a few hours. 
Interesting. And that was it. Yeah, and I just had my laptop open and I was typing while she was talking, so I wouldn't forget anything. Just the one time. Yeah, and and we, you know we've had some you know Facebook chats, but it's a lot easier to to actually like have a conversation verbally. Are there other people like that that you you know that were in that extended circle of friends that you'd like to have a conversation with? Most have been really great and helpful. Her friends Katie Manning and Megan Jefferson. They were friends with Keeley also and attended Keeley's school. You know, Brianna was a transfer student. She had started off at Missisquoi Valley High School and then transferred to Enosburg Falls where all those girls were. From her previous school, she had other friends like Kira Trombley and Shauna LaBelle and I believe Jillian Stout she met in middle school. Those friends were, were very cooperative and willing to talk as were Megan and Katie. There were a couple other ones that either said... I I really have nothing helpful for you. Just kind of trying to be nice, but saying, you know, like, screw you, <laughs> move on kind of thing. Like, that just clearly didn't want to discuss it and just said they didn't remember anything. And there's one or two that just never answered me at all. I did try to talk to James when he was still alive and another boyfriend, but neither responded to my outreach. And were you mostly doing phone calls or email or everything? I was social media, the whole nine yards. Everything. Yeah, I was, I was trying really hard to get these interviews, especially seeing how productive they seem to be. I just, I just felt like you, you learn a lot about someone from talking to their friends, and I felt like invaluable insight was gleaned. You know, when you go back and watch our interviews with her friends, it's, um, you, I, I feel like you learn a lot about her, about the crowd, about the area. It's, um, it's important stuff. So it's, it's, I mean, the door is still open. I, I'm, I'm always willing to talk to people. I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I can only speculate as to why they wouldn't want to discuss it. I mean, of course, I'm not the police. If they've already talked to the police, why would they talk to me? What am I going to do? I, I'm sure there's, there could be some of that, but I can only speculate as to why they wouldn't want to talk. So ultimately, what do you think is going to solve the Brianna Maitland case? Is it going to be DNA? Is it going to be somebody confessing? Like, what is ultimately going to break this case open? At this point, with cold cases, just kind of looking at what has worked for other situations, it'll either be DNA or information. Maybe someone's ex-girlfriend will be scorned, you know, like maybe one of these guys will cheat on their girlfriend, screw up, and they know everything, and they're like, you know what? Screw this. Done protecting you. I'm going to get my $10,000 uh-huh. and move on with my life. That could happen. Or maybe mm-hmm. there will be a positive outcome with what's being tested by Authram. And full disclosure, Authram are a sponsor of the Mind Over Murder podcast. So they, their name does come up a lot, but mostly involved in the cases that they've been cracking all over the country. And I hope that the testing that's being conducted for the Vermont State Police will be productive. Me too. It, it does bring some hope you know, when they're talking about something new being explored. And I think that it's entirely possible that, you know, we're we're talking about all of her friends and this tangled web. I still think that it's entirely possible that it was someone unknown to us and even unknown to her. And that it's also possible that the encounter, which led to her being abducted, was a chance encounter and not like a premeditated ambush. I am eager for the truth to come out. And I just think whatever it is, it's going to be really interesting to see what truthful story has sort of glided through, slithered around all of these theories, not quite perfectly matching any of them. You know, I I just, I can't wait until we finally know the truth and her family can get justice. Absolutely. Uh, Where can our listeners find you on social media? Give us all of your details. 
Sure. So I would definitely love for people to read the blog that you can find at Chloe from Crawlspace. My name is spelled C-H-L-O-E from Crawlspace at blogspot.com. You'll find a lot of information there that you probably haven't seen before. For our show, it's um, the handle True Crime Twins on Twitter and on Instagram. We post a good amount. So definitely follow us and definitely check out the blog. And if you know anything about Brianna's case, come forward to the appropriate authorities. I can't think of a better way to close out this episode of Mind Over Murder. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your coverage on this case. We had a wonderful time. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for dealing with our um, technical headaches with such good grace. That's fine. I I really understand. (laughs) (laughs) Mind Over Murder is a production of Absolute Zero and Another Dog Productions. Our executive producers are Bill Thomas and Kristen Dilley. Our logo art is by Pamela Arnois. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. Mind Over Murder is distributed in partnership with Crawlspace Media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also follow our page on the Colonial Parkway Murders on Facebook. And finally, you can follow Bill Thomas on Twitter at BillThomas56. Thank you for listening to Mind Over Murder. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.